1: What is going on Pirate Nation and other college football fans? Welcome into the Sports Objective. We appreciate everyone tuning in. It is another edition of Sunny and Semenza. It is bowl season and bowls getting underway tomorrow. Uh, You know, that being Friday, December the 16th. You have a couple on tap uh, with the Bahamas Bowl as well as the Cure Bowl. And that's a heck of a matchup that we'll talk about here in a little bit between two ranked teams with UTSA and Troy. Um, a couple of conference champions from Conference USA and and Sunbelt, respectively. Um, But right now, before we begin talking bowl season, coaching carousel, transfer portal, and I'm sure other topics, I'd like to welcome in the stars of the show, Jay Sonhalter and Matt Semenza. Gentlemen, how are you? Well, you mentioned stars, Bubba, so
2: I'm going to kick it over to Jay uh, because I don't fall into that category.
0: Well, you are humble, Matt. I, I don't feel like I'm a star either. But uh, Bubba, Bubba, you are a kind man. You're a superstar.
1: <laughs> the lies are uh, the lies are plentiful as we're uh, you know a minute and a half into things. But uh, you know, guys, uh, I, I, I mentioned the, the bowl games that are taking place uh, beginning tomorrow, Friday the 16th, and that is. Uh, obviously, the, the first one is UAB in Miami Ohio out in a, a great place to play a football game. Uh, not necessarily great for fans to get there, but uh, the Bahamas Bowl. Uh, so you know, what are your thoughts on, on that one, as well as the three o'clock game, which is one that I've really had circled. And that is UTSA out of the Conference USA, a future team in the American. Uh, they've had an unbelievable season and very close to running the table with a couple of close losses. And then you also have a a tremendous story down in Troy, Alabama, with the Troy Trojans doing what they did under a first-year head coach.
2: Yeah, well, i I just jump in on this one. I mean, my first thought, guys, was when when I saw the schedule come out and the the Miami-Ohio UAB game at 11 o'clock on a Friday, huh? I mean, that's an interesting time for a game. Uh, Most of us are going to be at work. So, unfortunately, I don't know how much of that game I'm going to be able to watch. Um, but I do expect, you know, a, a solid performance from UAB there. Um, but to your point, Bubba, I, I am really looking forward to the the game at three o'clock uh, tomorrow, which is the UTSA versus Troy. I think two eleven and two teams. Um, Texas San Antonio, I believe, is a three point favorite in that one. So I, I expect a really competitive game with, you know, two teams that have a lot of talent. You know, when you watch these teams play.
0: They do have talent, so it'll be fun to watch. Well, that Bahamas Bowl is probably the second best bowl behind the Hawaii Bowl <laughs> as far as location. <laughs> um, yeah, no so doubt. It's fun to watch as far as, you know, the 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 pictures and the video of where they're at. But, yeah, I agree. That, that second game is going to be a good one. Two ranked teams and, you know, a lot on the line for those schools that have had really good years to – to finish off and win it and probably be ranked in the final rankings if they win.
1: And guys, here in a few minutes, we'll take a deep dive into the coaching carousel. Um, But um, one of those coaching changes that we'll be talking about, a very intriguing hire, a guy who had um, some high school experience uh, where he had won at a very high level, um, a former Baltimore Ravens quarterback and Fresno State product, Trent Dilfer, uh, got that UAB job.
0: Well, I think he's going to be great down there. I mean, I think I think when these schools take big swings at some guys, it's, it's really not a big swing. It's just them thinking outside the box. I think he's going to be able to bring in a really good staff. I know some of the guys that he's brought in, he has connections with them. He's going to be able to get really good quarterbacks for that level, and I think he's going to be an awesome fit down there. So I, I'm excited to see what he does.
2: Yeah. And I think it's going to be really interesting to watch. I mean, he's, he's not somebody that's been disconnected from football after his NFL career. I mean, he, he obviously had a long career in the NFL. Um, but, but he's a guy that's been running camps, you know, prospect camps in California for years. He's been coaching like Bubba said at, at the high school ranks at a high level uh, definitely has been knowledge to be successful. Um, so, you know, for me, it always comes back to what type of staff can you assemble, and um, you know, are you able to bring in a really high-quality uh, defensive coordinator? Because I'm assuming he's going to be very involved in the offense from a from a play-calling perspective. Um, so I, I think that's the big thing: is can you bring in the right staff that's that's going to be able to have success.
1: In that matchup in the Duluth Trading Cure Bowl uh, between the Roadrunners of UTSA, uh, future member, like I said, of the American Athletic Conference and the Troy Trojans. Um, what a job. John Sumrall, uh, the former University of Kentucky linebacker from the early 2000s, uh, who actually came to Troy from his alma mater, where he had been the co-defensive coordinator, very um, intrigued to see how this one plays out. I think a lot of points will probably be scored in, in that one. Uh, those uh, offenses have been uh, clicking on all cylinders.
2: Yeah, I mean, Troy, Troy, for me, guys, is one of those teams that just went completely under the radar all year. Um, you know, it, it's funny. Like, I don't recall us, and we've done what, 12, 12 shows now and previewed a lot of football games. And I don't remember us talking about Troy. Um, so they've kind of stayed under the radar or, or almost off the radar. Um, and they've quietly put together a great season, you know, 11 and two. So, um, you know, that, that is a team where, you know, I'm looking forward to
1: seeing how they match up with UTSA. Shifting to Saturday's games, um, you know, pretty full schedule. You have six games being played, um, beginning with uh, the Wasabi Fenway Bowl. Um, obviously taking place there at Fenway Park, the home of the Boston Red Sox. Uh, you have the keg and nails game, that matchup that hasn't been played in a few years or several years between um, the Cincinnati Bearcats, who obviously are uh, going through a transitional time with Luke Fickle moving on to the University of Wisconsin, and then uh, Scott Satterfield, coming over from Louisville I mean coach Satterfield said he'd be watching this one on TV at home and making some recruiting phone calls and those sorts of things. But, uh, interesting matchup here, um, for a variety of reasons.
0: Yeah. I mean that, that whole switch for Satterfield going over is, is interesting and I'm, you know, surprised he did it, but not surprised because he's feeling pressure at Louisville and, as a coach sometimes you just want to reset the clock he had an opportunity to do that at a new school so i know there's kind of a lot of bad blood over that and how it went down um but i think that'll be a good matchup and i think it's gonna be a close ball game
2: yeah yeah i agree and you know it's when you look at that louisville is a two-point favorite i believe um which which did surprise me a little bit you know uh Louisville has kind of been an up-and-down team throughout the course of the season. There have been some weeks where they played great, and then some weeks where they just looked terrible. And, uh, you know, I think the question is, you know, I do think straight up, I think Cincinnati's the better team. You know, I think if if you were to take away the the coaching change uh, and everything going on there, I think they're the better team. But it's going to be interesting to see how they respond uh, with Luke Fickle leaving and and obviously all the transition – you wonder how focused they're gonna be, you know. Um, I'm sure you have a lot of players who are distracted. You know, Jay, like I'll just kick this let me ask you a question, Jay. As a former player, if you were heading into a bowl game like this and your head coach was leaving and all these other things going on right now with the portal and it's almost like free agency, I mean, do you think you'd be able to, to invest, you know, hundred percent into that game?
0: Like I, I feel like I would, but I don't think the roster of a hundred (laughs) guys, everyone will be. I I think, you know, whenever you're playing a game, you've got to be so locked in and focused during that game, but also in all the preparation. And I think there may be a certain amount of guys that, that can put all that to the side and focus, but do I think the whole team can? I I don't think so. I think it's going to be a major factor. And just like, you know, another one, you know, Jackson state, I'm not saying they're not going to win, but I think, you know, with the transition, everything going on with Dion and then the new coach, TC Taylor starting, I know it's completely different. But anytime there's change, the whole team is not going to be focused.
2: I agree. I agree. I think that's a really good point. And, um, go ahead, man. It'll be interesting to see how these teams, yeah, it's, uh, it will be interesting to see how both of these teams, you know, respond to that. And, uh, you know, we shall see. It's going to be cold weather up there in Fenway Park, and uh, I think that'll be a fun one to watch. All right. Uh, and I think I think we may have had a, a technical problem. I think Bubba may have dropped. Jay, can you hear me? Okay.
0: Yeah, I can hear you.
2: All right. So, so Jay, just kind of looking at some of the other games on Saturday. Um, you have – this one is really interesting, Jay. You have the Florida Gators playing Oregon State in the Las Vegas Bowl, and it's Oregon State now. The line is up to Oregon State minus 10. What do you think about that one?
0: Well, I, I think Oregon State is coming away with a lot of momentum after beating Oregon, and uh, I think they're a team on the rise. Their coach just got a contract extension, and, you yeah, I think they're stable. And I think Florida's coming in with a lot of instability and a lot of guys that aren't going to play in this game and a lot of change coming up here on the horizon.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, instability is the perfect word for Florida right now. I mean, that you talk about a situation right now with the, in their quarterback room with uh, we had talked about this a few weeks ago, but the backup quarterback, Kitna, who was, uh, you know, was under, uh, came under charges for, You know, some things we probably don't want to talk about on this show, but he's no longer on the roster. And then you have Anthony Richardson, who was the starter, who is, in my opinion, surprisingly opted for the NFL, Jay. Like, when I watched him, what I saw was a really dynamic athlete, but I didn't see a quarterback who was
0: NFL ready. Yeah, he's raw. Um, He has talent, but he he does not need to go pro. (laughs) So, he – I mean, it's a whole different deal in the pros. You say, I'll give him a couple of years. If he goes in the first round or second round, they're not going to sit him for three years. I mean, the Green Bay Packers is one thing, but the teams aren't going to sit him. He's going to play. He's not ready. And then you look up, all of a sudden, a guy that has talent that could potentially be really good is going to be out of the league if you don't end up in the right situation.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, And let's just say, you know, let's just say he is a capable NFL quarterback, Jay. I mean, I just hate that these guys opt out. I really do. It's just not, you know, it's just not who I am as a a player, as a teammate to just opt out. Um, It's one thing if you're a, you know, a top 10 prospect. But, you know, if you're a guy who who wasn't exactly a superstar in college and, and maybe a fringe prospect, it really kind of bothers me that, that these bowl games, I mean, you're just seeing you're seeing too many players opt out. Um, you know, just from Florida alone, there's a handful of guys that went into the portal. Um, they're going to be down linebackers. They're going to be down linemen. What are they really putting on the field? Like, I, I'm not really a betting man, but I, you know, I'm going to be all over Oregon State in this game to cover because I don't think Florida has anything left.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you're right. I mean, they're going to have guys out, a lot of turmoil, you know, change going on. But so much of it is, do you really want to be there or do you just want the season to be over? <laughs> and I, I agree with you. I think Oregon State has all the momentum and Florida doesn't. Yeah, absolutely. Jay and
2: Bob, I think you're back. I think you may have had a little. I am.
1: Speaking of mobile quarterbacks, I wanted to revert back to that uh, Louisville-Cincinnati game for a moment. Uh, You guys may have already mentioned this, but uh, Malik Cunningham, uh, from everything I've seen, uh, is not playing in that game. So um, that's another element to consider. Louisville lost 26-13 at Kentucky in the regular season finale and only scored 13 points. They're going to be going – yeah, they're not as good as last year, but Cincinnati's defense, as we know, is still very, very solid. So um, I, I think I like the Bearcats in that one. Bubba, what is the reason why he's not playing? I know he was—he'd been banged up, and he—he he played. He attempted six passes in the game against Kentucky. So I don't—I'm guessing he's still banged up and opting out for that reason. I don't know—I don't know if he could go, but he's choosing not to go um but the the guy um that played the majority of the snaps in that game i think he threw 20 or 25 passes compared to uh, malik cunningham's six
2: well that's jay i don't know about you but for me that's another uh tell that's another tell and in, in picking that game so with that i i really like cincinnati to
1: to cover but going going back to the las vegas bowl and that matchup in the beautiful new stadium there in vegas um, between the Beavers and the Gators. Um, as you know, Matt, I listened to the uh, Pot Up with Matthews in the Morning podcast on a pretty consistent basis. Yeah. And, they, and, and they're um, Florida-centric, and and they were just talking about how, um, you know, the Gators, who knows, they may only take, like, 45 players or something in this game.
2: Yeah. I mean, well, you might as well use it as a as an audition, right? I mean – for your, for your young players who you feel like are really up and coming, um, you might as well use it as an audition for those guys and get them some experience prior to going into spring ball. So, you know, it's not a bad opportunity. But, man, it is tough to be a college football coach in 2022. You know, Jay, it's just – it's crazy. I mean, all of a sudden, you lose half your roster.
1: And I know, I know you guys were talking about Anthony Richardson um, opting out. Uh, Jack Miller, um, that's going to be getting the start for the Gators. I know Shane Matthews is is very high on what he's seen from him. He said he can really throw the football when he's seen him in practice and in limited action in the games.
2: Well, it'd be fun to watch. It'd be, it'd be fun yeah. to see how that unfolds. Uh, I have some talked to some Gator fans who are really frustrated right now with the situation there. and I actually had a few of them tell me they weren't even going to watch the game. That's how kind of disgusted they were with you know the state of the program right
1: now and, and we'll come back to the gators when we um, dive into the transfer portal here in a few minutes because uh, they will certainly be in the market for um, a portal quarterback um, you know could they land uh, to my knowledge right now he's, he's not in the portal but uh, i know shane matthews was really hoping that uh, michael pratt or um, a few other, a few other guys whose uh, names I'll bring up later on uh, w- would uh, enter the portal, so they would be uh, available for for that Florida staff to uh, potentially land. But um, moving on to some more Saturdays games uh, in the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl presented by. The stifle was uh, Washington State versus Fresno State. That is at SoFi Stadium there there in Englewood. Uh, what, what do you all think about this one? Fresno um, had that surprising loss to UConn, um, but then we saw UConn was a decent team, uh, found a way to win six games, but then they bounced back and um, they, they won the Mountain West um, going to the blue turf and getting it done. And I think they're nine and four. Washington State's had a solid year as well.
0: Well, I always like the way Fresno plays defense. And I, I just think for them this this game going down to LA playing against a Pac twelve opponent. Yeah, I just always like them. Kind of they view themselves as the underdog anytime they play against a Pac twelve team. So I think Fresno's gonna go in there and win the game.
1: So
2: they call this the Jimmy Kimmel LA bowl. How about that? I mean I, I vote we rename it to the political hack Bowl. <laughs> exactly what he is in my opinion but I won't go down that road but, yeah. the I, agree. <laughs> but uh, I mean give me a break with the Jimmy Kimmel but you know I, I, I think I do agree with you Jay I mean I, I do like Fresno I think sometimes you just have you look for the team who's more motivated in this situation and I think Fresno State has a little more to play for um, really you know 9-4 team and you know, I think they're going
1: to Get it
2: done. I don't know if they'll cover the
1: four, but I think they'll they'll get the win. This will be the third Pac-12 team that they have played this season. They, after opening the year against Cal Poly, of course, an SES opponent, uh, they lost to Oregon State, thirty-five to thirty-two. That we just finished talking about um, the Beavers, and then they traveled to the Coliseum where they lost forty-five to seventeen to USC. Uh, so <clears throat> they're. As Jay mentioned, accustomed to playing Pac-12 competition, it would not surprise me uh, to see them win this game. At the very least, I think it will be a four-quarter contest. But um, also taking place tomorrow, uh, you had the Lending Tree Bowl, and that is between Rice and Southern Miss. It's it's good to see, uh, as much as they were a pain in our side down through the years, uh, um, they're not a rival like North Carolina or NC State. uh, where they're local and, uh, you know, from Pirate fans that have traveled to Hattiesburg. They said they had positive experiences there with the USM fans. So it's good to see the Eagles having some success.
2: Yeah, it definitely is. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really, you know, somewhat intrigued by this game just because you have – I always like to watch Southern Miss and then, you know, Rice, who is, you know, sadly, in my opinion, a new conference mate beginning next year. Uh, and I'm full of opinions today, guys, if you, if you couldn't tell. But, uh, but I, you know, I, I guess I'll have to reluctantly watch to see what Rice is all about since we'll be uh conference mates moving forward.
1: Yeah, Jay, uh, you, I guess you played out there what once, maybe twice.
0: Yeah, yep. Yeah. Um,
1: how was that Rice atmosphere? I'm uh, it was it was packed and rocking, huh?
0: there 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 was a, a quiet atmosphere it was very focused kind of like a library
1: there there there's 100, 137 i mean 137 people in a 70,000 seat stadium
0: yeah i mean it was it was very it was good if you really want to focus in cuz there wasn't much noise at all so <laughs> we we uh it, it was an interesting deal it's a huge stadium but um you know it's fun it's fun to see when our fans outnumber the home team's fans and uh, it was, so it was fun to be out there and kind of play in that big stadium. But Bryce doesn't have any fan support.
1: Halfway across the country. Yeah. But uh, also taking place on Saturday, you have the New Mexico Bowl. Um, BYU and Team the Pirates were victorious against, and they will be taking on an AAC team in the SMU Mustangs, Rhett Lashley and company uh, there in albuquerque uh, what are your thoughts on this one uh, and last i saw the the spread was um, pretty close I'll, I'll see what it is currently
2: well i, I kind of like the way byu finished the season guys i mean they uh from the from the point that we beat them 27 to 24 in provo you know you look at their last three games they beat boise at boise uh, they beat. Uh, what was it Utah State? Maybe
1: Utah Tech. That was form, formerly um, Dixie State, and and then they went to Stanford and, and won handily. That's that is yep. There you go. So, um,
2: you know, I think defense kind of continues to be the the issue with that team. Is like, can they get stops? So I do think SMU is going to be able to put up some points in that game. I think they're going to. I think it's going to be a very high scoring game. Um, it'll be fun to watch a lot of offense.
1: And something to keep an eye on as the line in this game is SMU minus four. Um, I believe I had seen it earlier as BYU, um, maybe a two or three point favorite. And the reason it has swung or one of the reasons it swung so significantly is Jaron Hall, the talented BYU quarterback, is uh, unlikely to play tomorrow. So uh, interested to see that. but um also also uh, taking place on Saturday 9 15 this will be the final game of the day and that is the Frisco Bowl on the Boise State Broncos against North Texas a future conference mate uh, in the American for East Carolina and that one is at Toyota Stadium there in Frisco uh, I believe that's of course where they play the, the uh, FCS championship game
0: yeah I mean you know both these teams I think are, are- pretty even. I, I just always have a thing with Boise State and boys game. I think Boise State and Bulls game, I think they have a tradition of winning there, and even though it's kind of a, a road game for them, a home game for North Texas, I, th- I think Boise State's going to go ahead and win.
1: And the Broncos are a ten-and-a-half point favorite. Uh, any thoughts on this one, Matt?
2: Not a lot. I mean, I, I do agree with Jay. Like When it gets down to bowl season and big games, you definitely tend to a lean with, with Boise. Um, I think they're going to win the game. I don't think they're going to cover the 10 and a half though. I think North Texas will, will score some points and keep it competitive, but I do think Boise will, will win the
1: game. And after, I believe it was seven seasons, um, six or seven seasons um Mean Green parted ways with Seth Luttrell and they hired uh, Eric Moore so he's coming back to the state of texas uh, from washington state where he's office coordinator but he had previously been the head coach for i think it was four years at incarnate word uh, who is now uh, being coached by gj kenny who uh, is who's also leaving incarnate word to take the texas state or he's already accepted the texas state job but he is currently coaching uh, the word uh, as they are playing in the fcs semifinals so um, that. UIW program has uh, really, you know, been in the headlines in the FCS ranks here in recent years um, has become a solid FCS program, but uh, going back, uh, I think we,
2: I'm just impressed Jay. I don't know if you are, but the fact is Bubba knows so much about incarnate word football. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Look
1: Look at you Bubba. Hey, I'm well-rounded. I'm well-rounded. Um, and then the, the other game that we had not mentioned um, is, of course, uh, an FCS game is the Cricket Celebration Bowl. And uh, this one is of, of interest because Coach Prime, who's, of course, now the Colorado Buffalo's head coach, uh, he is leading Jackson State for the final time against North Carolina Central down in Atlanta at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on this? The last I saw, I think Jackson State was about a sixteen and a half point favorite.
0: Well, I, I think I think Jackson State will win because they have more talent. And I've seen Central this year, and they're they're not uh, not up to Jackson State's talent level. But I do think Jackson State will cover. I, I think it's going to be tougher. For the, for Jackson State to be focused, and I think it's going to be a close ball game, but I think they'll win. But I think Central will have a chance, and it'll be close.
2: Yeah, I, I'll just go with you, Jay. I mean, I, I'm not too familiar with these teams, but I, I you know, I'd like to see Dion go out on a high note. There, he's done a great job, you know, with that program, and um, I'd like to see him go out on a high note. So, uh, you know, we'll see. I, but I'll, but I'll say Jackson State.
1: And since I brought up the FCS semifinals, um, that are also uh, taking place this weekend. Uh, you have Incarnate Word uh, traveling to the Fargo Dome, uh, 7 o'clock. Uh, and then um, the, the first semifinal earlier that afternoon as Montana State uh, travels to South Dakota, uh, taking on the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. Um, always love that nickname uh, there. Um, so you, you have the possibility of an FCS championship game between North Dakota State and South Dakota State, which would be uh, an intriguing storyline. But um, something else, guys, I've, I've always thought, uh, and just uh, I understand all the reasons, you know, why Jackson State and the other HBCU programs play in the Celebration Bowl. But I would like to see, uh, you know, a team of that caliber where they, you know, run, run the table against who they've played I would like to see how Jackson State would stack up against a North Dakota State or South Dakota State, et cetera. Yeah, I mean
0: that would be an interesting matchup. Uh, I mean, I think, uh, I think it would be an outstanding ball game. I think it would be an outstanding ball game, and you know, I'm excited to see what happens with Jackson State now in the future.
2: Yeah, and I'll tell you, I just love watching those games. You know, that when North Dakota State when they play at the Fargo Dome and it's, and then sometimes you'll see like Montana playing in the snow and it's like 10 degrees. Uh, those, those games are, to me are, are way more uh, entertaining than, than so many of these bowl games, you know, I, like I'd rather watch uh, the Jackrabbits play than probably that Boise state North Texas game. That's, that's more interesting to me.
1: And before we move on um, Jay, um, speaking of, I know you guys said that you were interested to see how Jackson State is post-Deon Sanders or Coach Prime. Um, but uh, their new head coach, um, he'd been on staff there. He's a Jackson State alum, T.C. Taylor, and he had been, I think, four or five seasons at North Carolina Central as the O.C. So, Jay, since you had covered the Eagles, are you familiar with Coach Taylor?
0: Um, no, I'm not, I'm not familiar with him. Um, I, I just saw Central play Campbell this year. And, um, and they've got a couple pieces that are pretty good players. But overall, I don't think their talent level is, is anywhere close to Jackson State.
1: Gotcha. And um, one final word or a couple thoughts on bowl games before we move on and talk transfer portals was some thoughts on the coaching carousel and some of the hires that have been made. Um, on Monday, uh, you had the Myrtle Beach Bowl. That is the lone game of the day. I mean, the Yukon Huskies, who would have thought they would be in a bowl game, but congratulations to Jim Moore Jr. And that program, uh, they are taking on the Marshall Thundering Herd um, at Coastal Carolina's Stadium there in Conway. And then on Tuesday, you had the famous Idaho Potato Bowl taking place out on the Blue Turf in Boise uh, as Eastern Michigan, Chris Creighton's Eagles taking on the San Jose State Spartans, who um, have been playing pretty good football in recent years. And, and that's obviously continued on into this season. And then um, also on Tuesday, you had the roofclaim.com Boca Raton Bowl uh, between the Liberty Flames and Toledo Rockets down at FAU Stadium. But uh, shifting gears to the uh, coaching carousel, um, you have Coach Prime um, getting getting hired out at Colorado, um, You've had intriguing hires like Trent Dilfer at UAB, um, Biff Pogey at Charlotte, um, and then obviously a lot of high-profile hires like Luke Fickle moving on from Cincinnati to Wisconsin, et cetera. So um, what are your guys' thoughts on some of those coaching changes that have um, been taking place?
2: Well, I think the one that makes the most sense to me is Luke Fickle to Wisconsin. I think he's that, that job is just tailor-made for him I think it's a great fit. Um, He, he is the type of guy that, you know, he likes to play a physical style of football. Uh, He does like to run the ball, but, but he's, but he's, you know, he brings some versatility to his game plan and I think think he's a great fit there. You know, he, he was really uh, I think he was gunning for the Notre Dame job. And obviously that didn't happen. And I think for him, this is probably the next best fit, um, you know, in his career. And, you know, if he does well at Wisconsin, guys, you know, there's no doubt that someday it could be three years, it could be 10 years, but he'll wind up back at Ohio State.
1: Yeah, And if, um, if Ryan Day and the Buckeyes, this, this is premature, but, uh, you know, a year or two down the road, if Jim Harbaugh and the, the Wolverines are still getting the best of OSU in that series – um depending on how things are going for Fickle in Madison, it would not surprise me to see Ryan Day get the boot and maybe Luke Fickle come home. But uh, that is not a surprising hire with his obvious Big Ten ties. Um, Jay, did you have some thoughts on that one before I brought up another change that was intriguing to me?
0: Well, I I just think, yeah, I think he's going to be successful at Wisconsin. And with the Ohio State thing, I'll I'll tell you, I mean, this is a lot of what-ifs, but, I mean, if Ohio State plays Michigan in the national championship and Michigan wins and Ohio State upsets Georgia and Michigan wins, he's going to be in trouble this year <laughs> losing to Michigan twice. Yep, yep. So, I mean, that that rivalry's different. And, yeah, I mean, you can get, lose your job over that, that game. But, yeah, I think Luke Fickle is going to be really good at
1: Wisconsin. We talk about how that – did not surprise us um, given his ties to the big 10 and the type of type of um, program he ran at Cincinnati in terms of style of play, et cetera. So um, a couple other hires along, along those uh, lines that were not surprising whatsoever. Matt rule um, got the ax at Carolina with the Panthers. And so uh, him being hired at Nebraska was very, very, Unsurprising, and then also uh, the hire of Hugh Freeze at Auburn. Um, that was one that had been speculated uh, long before Brian Harson was even even uh, let go. Well,
2: you know, I, I I was really hoping when I saw the Nebraska job come open, I was hoping that I thought Jamie Chadwell would have been a perfect fit there. I really, do. I was dying, I really was dying to see his style of offense with those option principles go back to Nebraska where let's face it, they had their most success in that program when they were running the option. Now, totally different style. His, his option is is out of the pistol and out of the gun. Um, But I was, that was just something I thought would have been a great fit, but I do think rule is an outstanding college coach. You know, he, he didn't get it done in the NFL, but I think his, his natural place is in college and Jay, like, what do you think about Rule going to Nebraska? You think that's a good?
0: Uh, I think he's going to be great. I think that he's going to turn them around, and whatever Nebraska's potential is as a program, he'll get them there. I think he's going to make them competitive, and I think they made a really good hire with him.
1: Taking a look at some of the hires within the American Athletic Conference, um, of course, that is interesting for Pirates um, for for obvious reasons um, with the Pirates being in direct competition. Um, you had Navy parting ways with Ken Matololo uh, after 15 years. Um, not a stunner there because they had experienced back-to-back four and eight seasons, but um going to be interesting to see who the midshipmen hire. I, I like that from East Carolina's perspective, and um, that's no secret as to why because um, the, the Middies have had the Pirates number. Um, then you also have FAU, I think they made a heck of a hire after firing uh, Willie Taggart. They hired Tom Herman, who had so much success at Houston, and then uh, did a pretty solid job at Texas. But you know how um, the Longhorns uh, want to win at such a high level. The year they fired him, he went 7-3 and three, and all three of those losses, I believe, were by one score or less against the likes of Oklahoma and very quality competition. So um, I, I love that hire if I'm an FAU fan. Um, not so much if I'm other teams in the American. And then uh, I talked about North Texas hiring Eric Morris, an offense coordinator from Washington State, and previously the head coach at Incarnate Word. Uh, you also have Charlotte hiring Biff Poggi. And then you had UAB hiring Trent Dilfer. Uh, any thoughts on some of those new coaches within the American?
0: Well, I, I think Biff Poggi is going to be really good and Dilfer. I mean, I think both those guys are going to win and make the league better. I think, yeah, I mean, I just think Dilfer going in there, there's a pedigree there, there's a name there and somebody that's done it at the high school level. One, I think he's going to make that transition. And same thing with Bipoji. He was a great high school coach, went to Michigan and a lot of people think very highly of him. Plus with his business background, I think there's an upgrade at Charlotte. So I think both those programs are going to be on a better track for
1: success. Yeah, Biff Poges kind of of the same mold as Joe Moglia, who was the former head coach down at Coastal Carolina and kind of set the table. Um, and he took over a pretty good program from David Bennett, and then he um, took things to another level. And then Jamie Chadwell took things to another level, and Joe Moglia was still involved in an administrative role uh, at that Coastal program. Uh, and Jay, what are your thoughts on Coastal's hire, um, bringing in offensive coordinator Tim Beck from NC State? I believe his daughter is maybe a volleyball player or uh, some sort of uh, athlete there for the Clears.
0: Yeah, and he had, a, he had a connection, I think, to Joe Mowgli as well. Um, you know, he's been to a lot of big, big schools and was at state this year. I know his name really didn't come up for any other jobs, um, any other jobs, but, I mean, you know, he's going to have an opportunity. Coastal's been rolling. I think he's going to have an opportunity to have success there. Yeah, I don't know.
2: Bubba, did you drop?
1: I think Bubba – Bubba. I'm back. Okay. Yeah, I broke up there for a minute. But um, kind of moving on, another thought or two on coaching hires and before we spend a few minutes on the transfer portal – and um, looking over, uh, you, you still have openings at Stanford. Um, David Shaw resigning after that season ending loss. And uh, you, you also have the Navy job, which we've already mentioned. Uh, Kent State's also open as Sean Lewis, who was doing a solid job and a very difficult place to have success there uh, within the MAC. Um, Kent State, um, they, they went into. Athens and uh, really gave Georgia all they wanted this year but uh, Deion Sanders bringing Sean Lewis over to be his offensive coordinator there in Boulder
2: yeah, it just seems like Dion has that magic wand right now like where he can just do no wrong you know and you know there's a ton of buzz around that Colorado program and um, so many players you know they're in the portal they they want to go to Colorado they want to have a chance to play for Dion and um that that program has been a sleeping giant for a long time. I mean, they had a ton of success in the '90s. Um, then they really fell off. And but but when I say sleeping giant, you talk to anybody about Boulder, people people will talk about how how unique of a city that is, and you know what a nice environment it is. And um, so I think that you know they, they have a chance. They really do. And with the portal, I think you can turn it around quickly. And obviously, to your point though, Bubba. If he can bring in coaches like that, that's going to help
1: ease the transition. I'll tell you, a coach, I listened to his press conference, Kenny Dillingham. uh, He's going to be the youngest FBS coach as of right now, 32 years old at his alma mater there in Tempe, the uh, Arizona State Sun Devils. Uh, Talking about somebody that will get you fired up and I think would be fun to play for. Um, Keep an eye on Kenny Dillingham. And then you also have uh, I failed to mention Tulsa hiring Kevin Wilson, the former Indiana head coach that had been offensive coordinator at Ohio State, as well as other places. I really like that hire. I, I think that Kevin Wilson's a, a good hire for the Golden Hurricane. And then the only other one uh, I wanted to mention, uh, bear with me here. Um, see, you had. Um, Barry Odom um, at UNLV, um, that hire. Um, Barry Odom having been a head coach at Mizzou, and then he hired um, Bobby Petrino. Uh, what could go wrong with Bobby Petrino in Las Vegas, right?
2: yeah Nothing says ethics, you know, in college athletics, like, like hiring a guy like Bobby Petrino, right? I mean, he's uh, a tremendous coach, but uh, not the greatest guy. And I, I wouldn't want him affiliated with my program.
1: Shifting gears to the transfer portal. Um, you know, I know, Matt, before we really dive into the portal, you had some thoughts on opt-outs and um, those sorts of things as it pertains to bowl season uh, and otherwise. So go ahead. The floor is yours. <laughs> uh,
2: I could go on for, for a long time on this one, guys. Just cut me off. But I, I'll tell you, I just – I really – don't like the direction college football is moving right now. And it just feels like the wild West. It feels completely unsupervised. Um, the, the number of players that are going into the portal on a daily basis, is, it's, it's kind of staggering. And, you know, I, I think it's just too easy. It, it's too easy for these players. They, they have a little bit of adversity. Maybe they came into a program and they weren't the starter right away. And so in a way you're almost saying like, Hey, like I'm giving up, I'm going to go try my hand somewhere else. And the numbers show, and, and there's data now, you know, that just about half of these guys will not land, um, you know, at another, at another uh, program of that caliber. So it's really, it's really, to me, it's kind of sad to see this, this happening in college football. And I just think it's too easy for these guys. The grass isn't always greener and, you um, I hate it. I hate what it's doing to, to the environment. Um, you know, I hate what it's doing to the bowl games. You're going to see so many bowl games uh, impacted by opt-outs and, and, and guys who are, you know, transferring to, to different schools or, or, or entering the portal. So I just – there's no way this could have been the plan when, this, when they came up with this. And um, it really worries me for the future of the game because it's just so unstable and Jay I'd love to hear your thoughts about that too because
0: yeah it's just sad because everything's changed and I don't know how how they can get it back to the way it was but I mean like with these opt outs guys are going to continue to do it un- until it affects their draft stock until the NFL you know has an issue with it or until there's a rule and and so anyways it's unfortunate because these guys are just bailing on their teams and and I don't like it this portal thing. I mean, I like the ability that you give freedom to guys, but I mean, this is just like, it's a wide open, you know, it's wide open. Schools are recruiting other schools, guys with NIL money and rivalries are gone. It's just a rotating door. And there's no, there's no semblance of organization. And it's, it's sad.
1: It,
2: it is. And just to kind of take it to a personal level, guys, like, you know, not to talk about myself, but when I came to East Carolina, the the starter in front of me at my position was Morris Foreman. And you guys remember Morris. He's one of the all-time greats at ECU. And I realized pretty quickly my freshman year that, you know, I was probably a good year at least from, from, from seeing relevant snaps and possibly, you know, two years away. And uh, the thought never occurred to me to transfer. You know, I'll tell you what did occur to me that what did occur to me was to work my ass off and develop myself and to to put in the time uh, to become the best player I could be. And and when my time came, I'd be ready. Um, So I think it's a different mindset. Um, You know, obviously, we didn't have the portal back then, but I I just think it's too easy for these kids to say, like, hey, I didn't play this year. Things didn't go exactly how I wanted them, so I'm going to jump ship. And it just... I just don't like it.
1: Now, Jay, uh, obviously your situation is a little bit different because you were a, a Division II program in in Winget, and You're a Wingate Bulldog and uh, opted, and uh, you were from the Raleigh area, so uh, you chose to take your shot at um, FBS football and, or perhaps one A as it was then, I believe. So, what were your thoughts on on that and your 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 uh, mindset there?
0: Well, I mean, I had to sit out. I had to sit out, and I wasn't even on scholarship when I first transferred. So, um, you know, I I just think the rules now, there has to be a way to to modify it or make it where players have more freedom, but it's not the wild, wild west. And, I mean, I I moved up and transferred up, and, uh, you know, I'm I'm so thankful I made that move and so lucky I did. But, I mean, I had to to sit out. (laughs) I had a red shirt. And these guys now, I mean, they they there's no rules, there's no there's no box they have to stay in. I mean, it's just like if you don't like a situation, you've got you know you've got free reign to do whatever you want and and take whatever advice you're getting. And I don't I don't think you see that determination or fight, you know, to Matt's example or situations I occurred where nothing was handed to me; I had to earn it.
2: Yeah, and let me just say too, Jay. Like I I respect your scenario, like you.
0: You were transferring up to, to a different
2: level of football. Yeah. Uh, you took a bet on yourself and, and you had to sit out a full year. And so I think that's a very different situation. So, you know, I give you all the credit in the world for doing that. And, you know, I, it's to me, it's just too many examples of the other situation now where um, it's not a situation of kind of transferring up. It's like, hey, you know, I'm just going to get out of here because
0: my feelings were hurt or,
2: you know, it's right. just. Different, you know,
0: yeah, exactly. I mean, guys are getting guys are leaving because schools are offering them more money, so they're being recruited. Other schools are, are offering when they're not even in the portal, it's crazy.
2: That's right, that's exactly right. And uh, I don't know if Bubba, I think Bubba might be having a technical problem again, but um, I, who knows where it's going, Jay? I mean, who, who knows where it's going? And I, I'll tell you, I do think. I'd like to get your thoughts on this right as we wrap it up here. But, you know, I don't let the coaches off the hook either. And, you know, I think that college coaches have really helped create this environment of jumping ship. And I'll just give you an example of, of Lincoln Riley, who obviously had a great career here at East Carolina. But when he left Oklahoma, to his own admission, he didn't do it the right way. He didn't go about it the right way. And so imagine you're a player in that locker room, all right? I try to put myself in the scenario of, you know, 18, 19-year-old, 20-year-old kid. You're in that locker room. Your college coach, Lincoln Riley in this case, was preaching to you all year about loyalty, team, you know, team first mentality, this and that. And then you buy into it completely, and he essentially jumps ship without even really telling you. Next thing you know, he's the head coach at USC. Um, how does that affect you as a player? Well, it teaches you, you better look out for yourself.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right.
2: And that's, and that's where I don't let these coaches off the hook. Cause I think they've really helped to create an environment. Look at you freeze right now. I mean, he's another example, but what do you think about that? Uh,
0: I mean, I, yeah, I just think it's a business in wh- whether the players now or the coaches say it's not a business. That's, that's a lie. Because there's no way you can break down huddles and say one, two, three, family, and then the coach leaves the next day. You know, I mean, yeah,
2: yeah.
0: And they send a text message. I mean, if everybody's more honest about it, the players are, you know, now more than ever, the players are are for looking for them. You know, it's a business, right. Same with the Coaches. I mean, so yeah. I mean, the when the coaches do that. You know, I, I understand that it's it's never going to be easy. And, you know, sometimes it is a mess when it happens. But, I mean, the the part you feel bad about it is even though the kids now with NIL and things have changed with the transfer portal and everything, at the end of the day, you feel really bad for the kids because they, they're the ones that are kids. <laughs> and even if they go in the portal or get more money, they're still changing their lives. They're changing their college experience. And that that's where I feel bad for them
2: yeah absolutely. I think that's a great point, and you know I think if I was a player in college football now and I had a coach tell me about you know family and team, I'd probably be in the in the background kind of laughing to myself, you know right, right. it's just not the way it is, and it's just it's just changed you know
1: yeah too much and that's something I heard um uh, Dion Sanders so uh, speaking of you know if you're intrigued by the Deion Sanders story uh well off media This his son Dion Sanders jr that uh, is the primary person handling that account uh, on social media for him uh, but some very interesting videos and Dion talking to the guys that hey, yeah, if you don't want to compete, yeah, we want you to get in the portal, but at the same time, you know be smart about it, don't be afraid of competition um, you know if you're if you're there to work and we want we want you to stay and uh, And and do just that. But keep in mind, if you enter the portal, you may not come out.
2: That's right. And the data is there now to to show that. So you better be getting some good advice and you better be sure that, you know, you're going to be able to um, find a good situation for yourself.
1: Guys, I know uh, on future shows, we'll spend more time on the transfer portal uh, next week, and we'll have a show probably Wednesday, that's to be determined. But uh, we'll take a look at some of the bowl results to date. Uh, Also, uh, new entries to the portal and where players in the portal are potentially headed and uh, those sorts of things. Uh, We'll see if Navy has a new coach. Maybe Stanford will have a new coach. Um, uh, because you got to imagine that they'll be moving pretty quickly with signing day on December 21st, uh, the early signing period, uh, which is when most guys sign now. Um, but uh, do you have anything else before we get out of here?
0: Well, looking forward to the games. It's going to be a good good couple weeks here.
1: Yeah, yeah no, no doubt. Uh, appreciate the support of Kevin Walker, L and K Customs, Custom Homes, a licensed general contractor in the Greensboro area. But, of course, uh, he can travel and uh, we'll build a home for you wherever you are. Uh, give him a call at 336-688-8461. Uh, also, during bowl season, it's great to enjoy some barbecue. Uh, if you're in the Williamston area, uh, give the Holiday Brothers a call, whether it's for a bowl party or just your other holiday gatherings, um, you know, Christmas, Christmas, gatherings with your family and friends. Um, Go to Porky's Backyard Barbecue, which is located on 805 East Boulevard there in Williamston, or give them a call to place your takeout order 252-661-0337. And then um, we certainly also appreciate the support of Mark Minakazi, former East Carolina great third baseman. Um, Go to pgxgloves.com. Use promo code ECU to get 25% off for all products at checkout and pgxgloves.com. Has your baseball gloves, golf gloves, football gloves, and some really sharp looking wearables. Um, but for Jason Halter and Matt Semenza, I'm Bob Rosenbaum. You've been watching listening to Sonny and Semenza here on the Sports Objective. Follow us on social media on Twitter at the Sports Obj, on Instagram and TikTok at the Sports Objective. Like and follow us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel, where we are now over 700 subscribers. We appreciate you tuning in, as always. Have a great holiday with your family, and as always, go Pirates. Uh, 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 uh. You're watching the Sports
0: Objective, the podcast for pirates. Listen to the show pretty much everywhere podcasts are found. Be sure to follow us on social media at the Sports OBJ on Twitter and TikTok, at the Sports Objective on Instagram. Like and follow our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel. As always, we appreciate you listening to the show and go pirates!